take your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. And um, I had something else prepared to preach and even had the media prepared and we changed it. How many knows that we can do that sometimes? And it's good just to be flexible. Uh, Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 4. Exodus 32, verses 1 through 4. Exodus 32, verses 1 through 4. Let's give attention to the hearing and the preaching of the Word of God this morning. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed his coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that we should go that should go before us for as for this Moses the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt we do not know what has become of him and Aaron said to him break off the golden earrings which one is in the ears of your wife your sons your daughters and bring them to me so all of the people of the children of Israel broke off their golden earrings, which was in their ears, and they brought it to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands, and he fashioned it, and he made a calf, and then said unto them, This is your God of Israel that brought you out of the land of Egypt. This morning, I just want to preach a thought how to make a God. How to make a God. Somebody say that with me. How? Somebody say it again. How? Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have just to minister your word today. I pray that you would open up our ears. Pray that you would open up our hearts, that we would receive your word. We pray, Father, that your word would go forth in power that your word would go forth in boldness, and everyone shouted a great big amen. No, you know, the Old Testament is probably not a, it's not very popular if you're just going to sit down and read the Bible. Some people get really confused about the Old Testament and uh, all of those names in the Old Testament, and sometimes we forget that the Old Testament has great significance. And I believe that the Old Testament has great significance because it's a familiar story. Do you know why it's a familiar story? Because you and I are found in the pages of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a story of a faithful God who continues to be faithful to an unfaithful people. That's the story of the Old Testament. A faithful God who continues to be faithful to an unfaithful people. It's a story of a group of people running from God when God demands something of them. But when they get in trouble, they run to God. They don't like God's expectations. They don't like God's rules and commandments. Nobody likes that, do they? We don't like rules and commandments and laws. In the moment that God put an expectation on His people, they have a tendency to back off. and They have a tendency to run away. The Old Testament is a story of a faithful God 
who demonstrated himself faithful to a group of people that had a hard time staying faithful to him. You see, I'm convinced that God was justified in extending his hand of wrath to these people. But yet his hand was stayed away because of his heart of mercy and his heart of grace. God is merciful, isn't he? How many can say amen to that? He brought us here. He woke us up despite what we did last night. God is merciful. And I want to remind you that the scripture I just read to you is a familiar scripture. They all got together and they said to Aaron, make us a God because Moses has been gone too long. The scripture records that Moses went to the mountain to receive the law of God. And Moses had been gone a long time. And everybody else was at the foot of the mountain and they got discouraged. They wondered, where is Moses? Where is God? Has God left us? They were perplexed and confused. And so in their confusion, in their wondering about God and is God real and where is God and Moses has been gone a long time, they said to Moses' brother, I think we need to make our own God. You know, it's interesting to me that these same people who fell into the sin of adultery is the same people a few chapters before, a few chapters before, God said to Moses, tell my people that they should not have any other God before me. And do you know what the Bible says in Exodus 24 and verse 3? I want you to see it behind me on the screen. In Exodus 24, verse number 3, you see this familiar passage here, but these people are saying amen to Moses that they agree that they should not have any other gods before the true God. So Moses came and he, he, he told the people the words of the Lord and all of his judgments and all of the people answered with one voice with all the words which the Lord had said and they said, we'll, we, we'll do this. So, so it's ironic that just a few chapters before chapter 32, when they fell into the sin of idolatry and making their own God, a few chapters before that, they agreed with Moses and said, we will follow the commandments of the Lord. What are you saying, Pastor Josh? I'm saying this, that don't that sound like a lot of us? I mean, we come to church and we get revived and we get happy and we get blessed and we will cry out the altar and say, Lord, we'll follow you 100%. But yet, when the rubber hits the road, somehow we back away. Somehow we backslide. Somehow we take a few steps back instead of taking a few steps forward. Somehow this represents us, this group of people who God was merciful to, compassionate to. These people agreed that they would follow the Lord and all of His commandments. And yet in chapter 32, they make themselves a God. Uh, it's, it's ironic don't you see yourself in this story? 
When we get discouraged, when we get despondent, when we want to give up, somehow we create our own gods because we're discouraged and God is not coming through for us and God is not doing what we think he should. And so since God is not doing what we think he should and we're discouraged, we make our own gods. I mean, these people are wondering, is God still with us? They wanted somebody to, they wanted to worship somebody. They wanted to see something. So they made a God that they could see. Now I want to ask this church a question this morning. Why would you want to trade the God who brought you out of Egypt for a God that you made with your own hands? Why would you want to worship a God that you made instead of a God that made you? What is, why is these people so perplexed this morning? They all agreed to follow God, but when the rubber hit the road, they made their own God. Why did they make a God, ladies and gentlemen? What was going through their heart? What was going through their mind? Moses is gone. And you know these people are thinking, every time Moses comes back, after Moses quote-unquote spends time with God, every time Moses comes back, he gives us another law. He gives us another rule. He gives us another commandment. These people are thinking, we're tired of these commandments. We're tired of following these rules. We're tired of following all of these regulations. We're tired of following the moral law and the national law and we're just tired of all these laws because we know when Moses comes back, he'll tell us that God said for us to do something. And you know what? We're tired of it. We just want to live our own life. We want to do what we want to do. The God that delivered them is the God that demands something of them. Now, if we're going to shout about a God that can bring us out, and we're going to shout about a God that can provide, and we're going to shout about a God that can bring us through the Red Sea, then let us not be mistaken that that same God has expectations for you and I to follow. Did you hear me, ladies and gentlemen? There is an expectation. There are rules. There's commandment. There is an expectation that God wanted his people to follow. You know, why did they make a God? Well, I can only speculate, but I assume that they made a God because they want to control their own life. They made their own God because you don't have to follow rules and expectations and commandments. You can do what you want to do. So they made a God so they can control their own life. You know, it's interesting to me, it's interesting to me that the Scripture was clear in Exodus 32 and verse number 6. The Bible says that Aaron's making them, uh, the people of God, out of gold. And the Bible says in verse 6, they rose up early the next morning, offered burnt offerings and brought a peace offering. And the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose and to play. They're worshiping this golden calf, and they're eating, drinking, they're drinking, and they're playing. And because 
That's the type of God you want. You want a God that you can eat and drink and be merry and play and and there's no demands on your relationship. There's, There's no rules to follow. There's no commandments to follow. And these people were sick of it. Moses is gone. Let's have a good time. God's not here. God's not looking. Moses is not here. And so therefore, these people ate and they drank and they played. Boy, isn't that the picture of our society? The picture of our society is people want to eat and they want to drink and they want to play and they don't want accountability. Preacher, don't correct me because I want to live my life just the way I want to live it. Don't tell me that I shouldn't have sex before marriage. I'll do what I want to do. Don't tell me to put God first in my finances. It's my money. Don't tell me that I need to straighten up. It's my life. And that's the culture that we live in. We want to eat and drink and play, and that's we create our own gods. They made themselves gods. (laughs) How do you make yourself a god? You make yourself a God when you make yourself God. And and, and that's horrible to make yourself God. it's It's not probably in your best interest for you to determine and you to be the authority of what's right and wrong. And and yet here's this group of people, they made themselves a God. How do they do that? They made themselves a god out of gold because they themselves became the god. And that's the worst type of god you can create is a god from yourself. You know why it it probably is not in your best interest to make your own god this morning? The reason that it's not very good and it's not in your best interest for you to make yourself god is because you don't know everything. Your opinion is not always right. Your dreams are not always right. Your desires is not always right. Your motives are not always right. Your wants are not always right. What you see is not always correct. And sometimes you need a God who can think bigger than you and is wiser than you and knows more than you. You've got to be careful. You don't place yourself as God. You better be careful that you don't bow down to your thoughts and your opinions and your ideas and your dreams and your visions and worship them as God. Because you don't know everything. The scripture says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. Let me just inform this church this morning that your vision is too small to be God. Your understanding is too limited to be God. Your hands are too weak to be God. Your dreams is too selfish to be God. And your power is too finite to be God. You need a God that can see more and know more and understand more. Hallelujah. You've got to be careful that you don't make yourself God. Hallelujah. Woo! It's 
Somebody say praise the Lord this morning. You've got to be careful that you don't make yourself God. The Bible says, in verse number 1, the Bible says in Exodus 32, verse 1, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed his coming from the mountain, why was he on the mountain? A few chapters earlier, the people agreed verbally, and Moses went up to get it written. And he had been gone a long time. And the people came together and said to Aaron, Come and make us gods that we should go that should go before us. Whereas for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. So let's make another God. It's interesting, the people said they wanted a God, but Aaron said, and that's what's perplexing, church leadership agreed with it. You've got to be careful when the preacher agrees with everything that's going on in the church. Come on, I have, somebody should throw your hand up and say it's, it's good right there. You've got to be careful that the preacher don't agree with everything that goes on in the church pew. And so Aaron agreed. Did he not? He said, well, just break off your earrings and bring your gold to me and I will fashion a God for you. It's interesting to me that Aaron said, bring your gold. Gold, yes, because in Egyptian culture, their gods were made of gold. And so following Egyptian culture, they were delivered from Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. And so they began to take off their gold earrings and he melted it down and made a God. Now, according to most theologians, the God that they worship was not a huge God, but it was probably a God that you could set on your nightstand. They melted it down to a golden calf. And i got to ask, they took the gold off of their bodies, melted it down and made a God. In other words, they had wealth and resources to make a God. And you, you see, when they were slaves in Egypt, they didn't have no gold. When they were in the land of bondage, they didn't have no gold. But now these people have a little bit of wealth. Now these people have a little bit of resources. Ladies and gentlemen, they're former slaves that have gold now. And the question I've got to ask is, where did the gold come from? Are you all with me out there? Where did they get the gold? Well, Exodus chapter 12, when Pharaoh released the people, Pharaoh said, you can take whatever you need. And what, Excuse me, he said, you can take whatever you can hold. As much as you can hold, you can take. And the scripture says they took the gold of Egypt. So where did they get the gold? They got the gold from Egypt. So what are you saying, preacher? I am saying the gold that they had was a result of God's favor. It was a result of God's provision. 
God was favoring his people when he released them from the land of bondage. So gold was a result of God's favor. So the gold that they melted down was the gold that God gave them. Hallelujah. Where do you get your gold from? They got it from God. Where do you get your position from? You get it from God. Where do you get your income from? You get it from God. Where do you get your title from? You get it from God. And these people took something. These people took something that God gave them and made it their God. Are you listening to this preacher this morning? They took something that God gave them and made it their God. Go ahead and work that job until your body is completely exhausted and run down and you miss church. Go ahead and make it your God. Go ahead and make that boat your God and miss church and miss opportunities. You, God did not give you resources for you to make it your God. They took something that God gave them and made it a God. Whatever God has given you, if it takes you from God, you've got to be careful. They wanted, took the gold, and they made it their God. Let me tell you something. Gold can't heal you from cancer. I said money can't bring you out. Possessions can't bring peace to your marriage. Can I hear an amen? Title can't bring fulfillment. There are some things that gold can never do. And that is why you don't need a God of gold. You need a God that's wiser and smarter and stronger than the gold. Can I hear an amen this morning? God gave them the gold and yet they used it as their God. What were they doing? They never seen God. But they wanted to make a God that they could see. They were doubting if God was with them. Now don't lose me. I got a point to bring out. They were doubting God. They, they were discouraged. Moses is gone. Where is God? So discouraged. Moses has been gone too long. God is not with us. They were wondering if God was real. They were doubting whether the Lord would be with them. They were wondering if God still answers prayers. And what they failed to realize was this. If you can't see God... You better look in your hand and look at the gold because the gold is the sign that God was with you and is still with you. Can I hear an amen? If you can't see God, look at the gold because when you look at the gold, it was a sign of God's provision. It was a sign of God's favor. It was a sign that God was with them. They couldn't see God. They didn't know where God was. 
They didn't know where, what Mo, why Moses was gone so long, but what they failed to realize, they took the gold and made it a god that they worshipped. All they needed to do was take the gold off and look at it in their hand, and that should have reminded them that that god brought them out of the land of Egypt and brought them to where they are. Oh, you got to be careful you don't worship the gold. better be careful you don't worship that job. You better be careful you don't worship that person. You better be careful you don't put somebody before God. better be careful in all you're eating and drinking and playing around that you forget that it was God that gave you the gold. you got to look at your hands. you got to look at the gold because it is a symbol of where God has brought you from and how good God was, and yet they made it their God. You see, the gifts that God has given you are not created for you to worship it. The things that God has given you were not created for you to put it before God. The things that God has given you are gifts, and they are a reminder of the goodness of God, and they are not to be worshipped. I'm going to say that again. Everything you have is given to you because He is merciful, and because He is gracious, because He loves you, and you ought not to worship the thing. Don't worship it. It's just a reminder of how good God is. And in closing... Bible says in Exodus 32 in verse number 23. Look at it. Exodus chapter number 32. Exodus chapter 32 in verse number 23. Where's the tissues, please? Exodus chapter 32. I broke a sweat. You know I'm Pentecostal when I break a sweat, huh? Somebody say amen. That's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Exodus 32 and verse number 23. Verse number 23. Look, look at what they said here. For they said, for they said to me, this is Aaron saying to Moses, because Moses is ticked off. Moses comes down the mountain. You know, he's so ticked off, he just slams those golden excuse me, those Ten Commandments, because he's mad and upset. Well, how many knows he should have been mad? I mean, he goes away and here these people are just making their own God. 23, Aaron said, For they said to me, Make us gods, that they should go before us. As for this Moses, this man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Don't lose me. They made a God because they wanted to see something. They made, it a, made a God because they were discouraged and Moses was gone. They, they, they made a God out of the resources that God has given them. It should have been a reminder of His goodness, but they worshipped it. And yet, right here, Moses makes a profound statement. He says, Moses is the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt. Moses brought us out of the land of Egypt? Moses. Their perception was wrong. It wasn't Moses that brought them out of the land of Egypt and delivered them from the mighty hand of Pharaoh. 
No, it wasn't. It was Moses was a mouthpiece, an instrument. It was God who brought him out of the land of Egypt. Their perception was wrong. What are you saying, preacher? I am saying that you will make a God when you start to view the Moseses in your life as God's. Do you know why they made a God? Because they equated Moses as God. They couldn't survive without Moses. Every time they saw Moses, they thought of God. They equated Moses with God. And yes, you should respect leadership, but leadership is not God. And their perception was, Moses is, is a powerful, he's, he's God. They needed Moses' presence in order for them to feel as though God was with them, and that's why they made a golden calf, because Moses was gone so long. Wasn't it enough for them to look at the gold and be reminded that God was with them? Wasn't it enough for them to reminisce and say, you know what, I can't see God, but I can trace God. <laughs> Woo. I can't see him with my eyes, but I can trace him. I know that he was at the, I know he was there at the Red Sea. I, I know he was there when water came from a rock and manna came down from heaven. I can't see him, but I can see his provision at work. Some of you get real discouraged because you're like, where is God? Oh, you need to take a look at the gold in your life. You need to take a look at what God has done. And they thought Moses was gone too long because they put Moses on the same level with God. Now how do I know that? Because logic sense would tell you why didn't they just make another Moses instead of making another God? Why didn't they go to Aaron? He was the second man in charge. Because when you start to look at somebody as the source of your happiness, and you start to put your faith and trust in somebody as your source of healing and contentment, you make them God. And there will come a time in your life where God will remove all the false Moseses out of your life, and you will be confronted with who you truly are. There will come a time that Moses will be gone a long time. You've got to deal with it. People quit church because they get hurt. You know why? They made the church their God. Make it their God. They worship it instead of letting it be a vehicle in their life. What are, what are you saying, preacher? How did they make a God? How do you make a God? How do you make a God? You take all the gold that God has given you because you're blessed. Instead of that being a reminder to you of what God's done, you worship the thing. You worship that person. You worship pastored for 14 years, I've seen it. 
church people. Consistently inconsistent. Get the victory and lose out. Christians don't blow out. They leak out. You've got to make a decision. You can't worship that thing. You can't just eat and drink and play around all the time. Make yourself a god. Because there'll come a time then you're confronted with yourself. Oh, you can just, you can just say, you know, preacher, you're crazy. But I promise you, there'll come a time in your life that you're confronted with these words. It may not be today, may not be tomorrow. You may go and eat and play around for a few more days, a few more weeks, a few more years, but there'll come a time you'll have to be confronted with yourself. And you'll be, have to be confronted with your gods. You're going to have to make a decision that do I worship the true God that brought me out and I don't worship the gold that he's given me. I don't worship the Moseses in my life. I honor God. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. I want to let you know we serve a good God this morning. I want you to know that he's a merciful God this morning. I want you to know he's a faithful God this morning. I don't worship my car. I'm just thankful I got one. Somebody say amen. I don't worship my house. I'm just thankful I got one. I don't worship this building. I'm just thankful we can meet. Come on, somebody. I don't worship you. I'm just thankful you're in my life. Woo! Hallelujah! And I pray today that you humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And you submit your idols at the altar this morning. You cry out to God and you make that Idle and altered this morning. Because you know what the Bible says in closing? They destroyed the idols. They destroyed the God. Moses destroyed it. The people destroyed it and they repented. You can't just hide away your idols. can't just put them away. You've got to destroy your idols. You've got to destroy the false gods. You've got to plunder those things and get rid of those things. Whatever you've got to do. If you're struggling with porn... You've got to get rid of the computer. You've got to get rid of that thing because you don't want nothing to destroy your relationship with God. Come on, somebody. You can't just put it away. You've got to do something about it. If you're struggling with something, you can't just say to yourself, I'll get over it and someday it'll be all right. No, no, you've got to deal with that thing. You've got to burn those false gods. You've got to deal with it. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost here this morning. Can somebody just say amen? Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you because you've got gods and false gods and idols in your life. I ain't talking about, no, no, no. I, you know, church can be an idol too. You can get so busy going to church you're not spending time with the Father. Can I hear an amen? You need to put Jesus first in your life, your finances, your marriage. Jesus is number one. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody needs to do some house cleaning today. Somebody needs to get rid of the false gods and make a decision that today I make a decision that He is number one in every area of my life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. 
What does what has to happen in your life to bring you to the bottom where you realize that it's all about him and not about your stuff? Do you got to lose it first before God gets a hold of your attention? Does something happen happen in your life to wake you up to get your attention? Bible says in Jeremiah 32, the prophet said, you all are a bunch of bulls, stubborn. The prophet said, and I, the Lord, had brought captivity to you to bring you to your knees. Because that's what happens when you become stubborn in your own self. And you become a bull and you become stubborn. God said, I'll bring captivity to bring you to your knees. Sometimes it's not the devil that's doing this stuff. Sometimes it's God slapping you around to wake you up and to bring you back to a place where your priorities is God number one. Sometimes it's God that does it. This is a wake-up call because the Spirit of God changed my message in the middle of the night to tell somebody this morning, wake up. Put him number one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I said put him number one. I said put him number one. Get the idols out. Get the false gods out. Quit your sinning. Put God number one. Get your attitude in check. Get your perspective check. Get your worldview in check. Get your life back in alignment. Get your life back in priority. Get it back in priority. Nobody's going to come and pet your false gods for you. Nobody is going to come and participate your spiritual orgy with your gods. Because the Lord has sent me today to tell you it's time to clean out the temple. It's time to clean the false gods out. It's time to smash the idols of your heart. It's time to put Jesus number one in every area of your life. And if you don't put him number one, God will have a way of getting your attention. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you can blame it on the devil and you can say the devil has attacked me, but if you read the scripture, sometimes God, if he loves you, he'll get out the chastening rod and he has a way of spanking you back into alignment. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be spanked. I desire to judge myself because I don't want him to spank me and I don't want him to judge me. God, you don't have to do it. I'll just come this morning and I'll smash my idols myself. You don't have to smash them, Lord. You don't have to take my job. You don't have to take my security. You don't have to do all that. I will come and I will submit my, my idols on the altar this morning. I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. I will do it myself because if God gets involved, he has a way of spanking you. And if, you're, if you haven't read the Bible, you'll be quickly deceived. It's, it's the devil. You say, well, pastor, this is hard. No, it's not hard. It's just scripture. Whom he loves, he chastens. I'm glad he loves me enough to spank me once in a while and tell me, I don't want you to go off the cliff. I love you because I'm your father. 
See, I, I'm glad we serve a God like that. A parent who just don't discipline their children and let their child do whatever, they're not a good parent. They're not. A parent knows how to discipline in love and mercy and grace because correction is actually direction. It's not rejection. Oh, I thank the Lord for His Word. I, how many just senses the presence of God here this morning? How many senses the pull of the Holy Spirit? Do you sense the pull of the Holy Spirit? Do you sense an urgency in your spirit to say, Lord, I want all of you as much as I can get. I want it all. So you can make a decision. You can reject the word of the Lord this morning. Or you can come open to the heart of God. You can submit yourself. Say, Lord, I... I want you to be number one in my life. You see, I'm preaching out of overflow because I ain't just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I've already preached it to me and am preaching it to me. The, Lord was, the Lord's been saying to me in my own prayer life, am I enough? I got confused at first. I was like, well, Lord, yes, of course you're enough. And the Lord just been speaking to me, son, am I enough? Am I, am I enough? Do you need a church to pastor to flaunt your ego? Am I enough? Would I be enough if you didn't do this? Would I be enough if you didn't have that? Would I be enough if you didn't do this? Am I enough? 